Are you looking for a comprehensive and convenient online health fitness training platform? Look no further than Vikido Fitness Academy. With a variety of programs designed to meet your needs, this platform offers everything from weight loss and wellness group coaching programs to an emotional intelligence course. You'll learn what to eat in order to achieve optimal health and energy levels. You'll have access to exercise training, live coaching meetups with myself, Dr. Vicki Haywood-Doe, and other instructors, as well as support and accountability throughout your journey. Whether you prefer to work out at home or at your favorite gym, Vikido Fitness Academy makes it easy to follow along with their programs. So get started on your journey to better health and fitness. Visit vikidofitness.com forward slash VDF Academy. The views and opinions expressed are for general informational purposes only. Consult with your physician or medical health care provider for medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Today, we talk about research articles and hot topics. Our topic today is what's new? Hot topics number 88. We hear all the time from the media that probiotic supplements are necessary for our gut health. But maybe these supplements may not be healthy for us at all. Let's re-examine our approach to treating low back pain. We may be treating low back pain all wrong. All this and more on It's All About Health and Fitness. Welcome to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. This program is brought to you by Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum. Now, here's your host, Vicki Doe and D. Banks-Bright. I'm Dr. Vicki Haywood-Doe, and with me is the one and only Dr. Virginia D. Banks-Bright. How are you today? Vicki Doe, how are you? <laughs> I am fine, and we are back again for another episode, and it we is are, cold. Are. It is. It's cold, right? It's supposed to be 80, so it was 80 last week on Wednesday, and then I think Oh, the next day, it has some snowflakes or something. Yes, yes, yes. That's the kind of weather. It will be 80 degrees, I think I saw. Okay, so that's the kind of stuff we getting, huh? Winter and summer. And then yesterday, I was up at 730. I had to go to a podiatry appointment and in Austin town and was driving back and it you it was very limited visibility from the snow. Oh wow. Like, no, no, just a few flakes. No, not where I was in Austin town. It was a blizzard. That's crazy. Covered. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Oh my right goodness. there on uh, 46. Uh-huh. That's crazy. Well, yeah, that's crazy. Well, hey, we just take what we can get. That's all we That's say. all we can do, right? <laughs> At least the leaves are coming out on the trees. Yes, they are, right? Yeah. So that's a good thing. Have you started any landscaping? Not quite. Not quite. The, Me um, either. Usually, uh, we've just been picking up branches and stuff like that. Yes. And, so forth. and usually, usually we wait to around uh, about Memorial Day, kind of yeah. after that, to mm -hmm. really go hard. But it'll be some right. stuff being happening. We shall see, right? Yep. We shall see. Well, today we talk about research articles and hot topics that we think are worth looking at and talking about. And our topic today is what's new? Hot topics number 88. Now, we are hearing out there in the media world that it is important for us to take probiotic supplements for gut health, but maybe those supplements are not boosting our health after all. They might be messing us up a little bit, you know. Well, we're going to talk about that. And let's re-examine. Let's re-examine our approach to treating low back pain because we may be treating low back pain all wrong. And we're going to talk about that as well. And so we're going to talk about these articles today and much, much more. And as per usual, we will find out from our co-host, Dr. D. Banks, what is the latest on the flu, COVID, or on any other bacteria bug lurking, coming to get us. We're going to know what's the latest so that we can be ready to protect ourselves. And this is going to be a great show. So keep in tune to this show. It's all about health and fitness. So what do you say, D? 
<laughs> I am looking forward to it. Yes, yes, yes. We are going to have a great show. Now, make sure, folks, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. It's all about health and fitness, Vicky Doe Fitness, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or on any other platforms that you listen to your podcast. When you subscribe, you will be notified first when we post a new show. You will be able to listen, learn, and experience experience our shows where we bring in other guests and talk about the things that are important for our health and our well-being and our community. And as you know, we do not just talk about our physical health. No, we talk about other things as well. We talk about what we can do to preserve our mental health as well. We believe in total well-being, having a holistic approach to healthy living. So make sure you do not miss any of our shows and subscribe today. And last but not least, go on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and review for this show because that is how we grow and that's how we increase our listeners. And we certainly appreciate you. And as always, what do we say, Dee? Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. So yes, Dee, it's cold today. It'll be hot tomorrow. It'll be all that. So yeah, usually we wait a little bit. We just do the cleanup for the yard and stuff. And we kind of wait a little bit, you know, before we do some serious planning for the flowers. Because, you know, it could be all messed up with a heavy snow or frost. Big snow and or frost. And then now you've you've messed up hundreds of dollars of flowers that you've purchased. That's it. So we just kind of... It's probably most people, I think, generally don't do it till the end of May, right? Just kind of wait it out. That's what we do. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. we just wait it out. And so, yeah, our week was just, you know, catching up, you know, because I had to do a lot of catch up because, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we didn't have, we didn't have nothing. We didn't have cable, internet, power, yeah, so we I'm just playing catch up this week and so glad that we we got things at least close to normal now, you know? It's amazing how much we depend on those utilities like the internet and electricity and cable and all of that in our lives now, you know? Yeah, we have to de- we do depend on it. And when mm-hmm. when they um go out, it's like, okay, what what are we going to do, you know? Right. <laughs> Exactly. That's it. So how was your week, Dee? You know, I didn't really do too much. I was on call last weekend, so that kind of interrupted things. I did go to see a really good play. Okay. Playhouse entitled Passover. And it was um, a play that was directed by African-American woman who lives here in town, Dr. Ludina Thomas. And it was very interesting. It was just a three-man play, two African-American young men. It was just talking about, they were homeless and on the street corner and just how they were talking about life in general and hopelessness of it all. And, you know, every now and then you see flashes and the police would come by flashing their lights and they'd fall on the ground. And then they had a white policeman who was in the play and it was just all the back and forth and goings on. It's going to be co- going on again this weekend. It was an excellent, excellent play. And then afterwards, she had a panel to talk about what could be done in Youngstown based on that. You know, what are the issues that we deal with in Youngstown based on that play? So it was me and Lynette Miller, who it does the Harambe dancers. Yes, you know, uh-huh. Lynette. Uh-huh. And um, Monica Hoskins Van, the president of the Lynx, and trying to think of who else. Oh, uh, another woman who works at Trumbull Correctional Correctional Facility, and then uh, another woman who was the mom of one of the young men in the play who was only in the tenth grade. One of them, okay. and, then, and then later on during the panel discussion, the three actors came out and they sat down and talked. So it was really good. That's good. That sounds yeah, great. That's what I did. Yeah, that was good. All right, then. Well, what is going on this week? Everything. Everything, Vicky. Everything. Well, you know, this is April. We're still in April, even though we yep. even though we blink our eyes and it might be June. <laughs> <laughs> it, right. February of the following year, right? <laughs> 
I know. But it is it is April and April is National Parkinson's Awareness Month in the U.S. And every year in the U.S., 60,000 people are diagnosed with this disease. Parkinson's disease is a neurodegenerative disease that primarily affects dopamine producing neurons in certain places, certain parts of the brain. It is a mobility disorder caused by a degenerative neural system dysfunction. Symptoms appear over time, and that's the key. Some people, you know, they get tremors, and then your movement, you have movement and balance difficulties. You have limb rigidity and delayed muscle action. These are all symptoms of this disease that slowly, it slowly advances into the illness. And while each person's reaction to the disease is different. It differs. Consequences are frequently serious. And so there's no cure. That's the key. It's no cure. For, there's no cure for this disease. And additional research is required. It's constantly going on. Although awareness, medications and information can help those who are impacted by the condition, there's no cure. And symptoms are used to diagnose typical cases with motor issues being the most common complaint. So there's a Possibly 10 million people in the world, I didn't realize it was that many, that are suffering from Parkinson's. Now, the reason why I, I really know a lot about it is because I have looked at a lot of the research because of exercise and the effect that it can have with patients who are suffering Parkinson's disease. I have a colleague of mine, Dr. Angie Ridgell, that that's at Kent State University. She, a lot of her focus of her research is with Parkinson's disease patients. And so exercise can greatly stem the symptoms of Parkinson's. Aerobic exercise helps build new pathways in the brain to replace those that were damage. And so this leads to the improvement of motor symptoms. And so a lot of her research or her interventions is calling the folks in so they can do exercise. And a lot of times on these particular bikes that she has designed with, you know, other engineers. And so she does have an episode many, many years ago that I think she came and talk about Parkinson's disease, but I'm going to ask her definitely to come and, and really talk about yeah. s- some of the um, latest research that she is doing. But yes, fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. So exercise does, you know, it leads to improvement of motor symptoms. And so April, yes, April is Parkinson's Disease Awareness Month. And because it is the birth month, the reason why, of James Parkinson. He was the London physician who published, it's called An Essay on the Shaking Palsy in 1817. And so he was the first physician to describe Parkinson's disease. And so, yeah, that is why his birthday was in uh, April, and that's why, yeah, this is Parkinson's Disease Awareness Month. And so, yes, we want you to spread the word about this disease. And if you think you may have symptoms, don't be hiding in the, you know, no, no, no. Make this the month that you finally schedule. Go to your neurologist, you know, and visit. And, you know, if you've been putting it off or you, you know, scared or whatever, no, find out because it's better safe than sorry. And for more information, I want you to. To go to this website is www.nationaltoday.com forward slash Parkinson's. And so, yeah, go there. There's a lot of activities that they have on there, things to do, tips and all of that. So what do you say you to know, that, um, Dee? Well, you know, Michael Fox has done a lot for Parkinson's disease. Yes. Uh, oddly enough, relatively early in his life, I think almost 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you see him every now and then on television and, you know, he takes medicine and so forth, but he's raised millions of dollars, helped to raise mm-hmm. millions of dollars for Parkinson's disease. So kudos to Michael Fox, because I think everybody can kind of relate to him. And it's cer- certainly oh, if you've seen him, you know, recently, the, the particular movements. And one of the movements... For those out there, mm-hmm. um, the, the symptoms are typical shuffling gait mm-hmm. and your speech, you know, slurs. I think you mentioned all of this. And then there's something called a pill rolling tremor mm-hmm. where your thumb and your index finger scrape across each other mm-hmm. consistently. 
and it's like rolling a pill. That's how they call it. It's called a pill rolling tremor. So mm. yeah, so a lot has been done over the years to uh, aid in Parkinson's research. Hmm. Yeah. So make sure, folks, you go to the um, website and look at that. Well, D, you know, wow. we can't get away from these guns. Just every day, you know, I, I thought we should at least talk about some of these cases. I'll go with the first one. These cases where these people, you know, the first one seemed to be racially motivated, but now you've got actually one just came up this, this morning mm-hmm. before I could tell you about it. This first one is a white homeowner accused of shooting black teens. I mean, other than the the motivations, racial or, you know, people coming up on your property or whatever, it, it still trickles down to guns. Mm-hmm. The gun use in this country. So a white homeowner accused of shooting black teen who went to the wrong house in Kansas City, Missouri, will face two felony charges. Officials announced. This is on CNN. A white 84-year-old homeowner who allegedly shot and wounded Ralph Yari, a black teen, after the 16-year-old went to the wrong home, he just went to pick up his brothers, mm-hmm. will face two felony charges. Clay County Prosecuting Attorney Zachary Thompson announced on Monday evening, Andrew Lester will face charges of assault in the first degree and armed criminal action. Authorities have issued a warrant for his arrest and he's not currently in custody, Thompson said. I can tell you there was a racial component to this case, said the uh, prosecuting attorney, Thomas, said in a news conference without elaborating. When asked whether Lester may also face hate crime charges, the prosecutor said that in Missouri, a hate crime is a lower level of felony and that adding such charges could constitute double jeopardy. A probable cause document released Monday evening similarly doesn't shine any light on why authorities believe race played a role. There is no indication that Lester or Ralph spoke to one another before the Thursday evening shooting, Thompson said. The prosecutor added there is no evidence that the teen entered the home and preliminary evidence shows Lester opened fire on the teen through a glass door with a 32 caliber revolver. And as the spokesman for the family said, he was shot and the head on the side of the head, the temple. And this morning we're talking about how fractured pieces of his skull had to be peeled off of his brain. Mm. And there's no video of the encounter. Family attorney Ben Crump, who was just announced as the Black Attorney General on uh, uh, the uh, NAACP uh, Image Awards. And okay. I, I know Attorney Crump through my brother-in-law, Bob uh, Harris, but he seems to be now the attorney for all these yeah, police the- you know, investigations. Mm -hmm. So Ben Crump said, while this is certainly a step in the right direction, we will continue to fight for Ralph while he works towards a full recovery. And it's just a miracle that he's home. I can't even believe somebody shot in the head Mm -hmm. and the chest. First of all, the chest, but more importantly, the head. Mm. I mean, when you get shot in the head, your brain swells and all of that. So he really, you know, had a guardian angel. God was with him and he's home with his family. However, Mm -hmm. officers responded April 13th just before 10 p.m. after receiving reports of a shooting. When they arrived, they found Ralph, who had been shot outside a residence by a a homeowner. Police and Ralph's family said he went to the wrong address, mistaking 115th Terrace for 115th Street. Ralph told a detective who visited him in the hospital that he had pressed the doorbell and waited, according to the probable cause statement. He stated the male inside took a long time, but finally opened the door holding a firearm. He stated he was immediately shot in the head and fell to the ground. Mm. The detective's right. Ralph was shot twice with bullets striking him in the left forehead and right arm, according to the probable cause statement. Yes. Isn't that now, crazy? You know, that's a doggone shame. That's crazy. That's, that's crazy. just insane. Mm-hmm. Look, that's why, you know, nowadays, you know, of course, I like I, I was saying, I grew up down south. And, you know, it was no man, you would go to the neighbor, okay, can I borrow some sugar? Or can I, can I do this? Or blah, blah, blah. Right. It was always a nice community where you can do these things. Pfft. Nowadays, right. if we get neighbors, I ain't going to <laughs> nobody's door. <laughs> You're right. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not a, a neighbor anyway, and I certainly would not be 
going up to some new person's house. You don't know these people. You don't know people. You don't know. And they'll just see some black folks coming and start shooting. No. And that's what happened with this boy. No questions asked, nothing. The little boy said he just, you know, just the guy just started shooting, started firing. Started firing. No questions asked, you know? Oh, yeah. So no, uh uh-uh. And that's a shame that it's like that. That's a shame. You know, it's just terrible. It is terrible. But then we have, like you were saying, we got another instance and yep. and it's it's the 20 year old. The 20 year old yep. was shot and killed after her friend turned into the wrong driveway in upstate New York. And this was stated by CNN too. a 20 year old woman was shot and killed Saturday after she and three others accidentally turned into the wrong driveway while looking for a friend's house in rural upstate New York. Authority said the woman identified as Kaylin Gillis was a passenger in a vehicle when a man, this man was 65 years old, Kevin Menahan, he fired two shots from his front porch. Uh, Washington County Sheriff Jeffrey Murphy said in a news conference uh, Monday, Blake Walsh, that was Gillis' boyfriend, said he was driving the car the night they drove up the wrong driveway. And he told NBC Tuesday in a phone interview that he, his late girlfriend and two friends were looking for a party. Four friends were traveling in another vehicle and also went up the wrong driveway. We thought we were at the right address. Walsh told NBC, we didn't have any cell service to figure it out. As soon as we figured out that we were at the wrong location, we started to leave. And that's when everything happened. My friend said, they're shooting, go. I tried to step on the gas as fast as I could. And that's when the fatal shot that struck Gillis came through. Walsh uh, told NBC, I want to believe it was instant. I'm hoping it was. I'm praying it was, he said. The chef said the shooting happened in a very rural area with dirt roads and poor cell service. It's a very rural area with dirt roads. It's easy to get lost. They drove up this driveway for a very short time, realized their mistake, and were leaving. When Mr. Monahan came out and fired two shots, the sheriff said. Monahan has been charged with second degree murder in connection with her death, Murphy said. He was arraigned um, Sunday on the murder charge. His attorney told CNN a bail hearing is pending for Tuesday or Wednesday. The district attorney and defense attorney both said Walsh said he plans to be in court. I need to see who took my girlfriend away from me. I need to look at him. The shooting happened just days after a black teenager in Kansas City was shot twice by a white homeowner after going to the wrong address to pick up his siblings. So, look, we can't go nowhere. You can't make a mistake. It's just tragic. And the issue, too, is that the boy, the young man was, it, he, it was a, it was, you know, he was talking about how devastated he was and that, you know, they had been together for a long time. In fact, they called their, themselves the 2% couple. And the reason they call themselves a 2% couple is because they hooked up in high school. And the statistics are that only 2% of couples who hook up in high school ever end up getting married, Okay, you know, and they had planned to get married and so forth. But, you know, this, this guy came out and I don't know when people are not going to realize that guns do kill people because supposedly two issues with him supposedly he has no remorse at all about this and secondly he was trying to hit the car well duh it was dark i mean you would how are you trying to hit the car why why were you shooting in the first place and then also Uh this morning last night some cheerleaders were at some place some store some vicinity and they were coming out to the cars and i guess one of the cars looked like one of the cars that the girl owned anyway she was trying to get in the car and then realized that this was not the right car i guess the car was open or whatever she got out went back to her car Mm -hmm. and the man came along that the car belonged to the, I guess she was trying to get in or whatever, came and shot her at point blank range in the car. I know. Isn't that crazy? We just gone gone crazy. We're just turning into the wild west. We might as well go on and have like Wyatt Earp and all these people running with horses. It's just become the wild west. I know. And people just shooting and not even, you know, asking questions or nothing. No, nothing. And with no remorse too. 
They and just no, shoot and no remorse. Apparently, this man has has no remorse. Like you know, they shouldn't have been on my property or whatever. So it's going to be very interesting to see how these three sort of different cases turn out, but also the common denominator of the use of a gun just indiscriminate use of a gun and i was talking to a friend of mine the other day with this boy uh-huh. i mean it wasn't like he was trying to crowbar through the glass or trying to put his foot through the door he just rang the doorbell and he just shot him through the glass i you know i, I don't get it yeah well there just, is no explanation for it yeah there's no yeah no explanation for that uh-huh. none. none none so yes we we definitely going to pay attention to that but yeah we're in a sad state of affairs I we say. are well d what's the latest what's the latest i do have a what's the latest today uh this came out yesterday okay the fda backs because a lot of people have been asking me is it time for another vaccine and my stance was well not they don't really have another vaccine because the vaccine that we are the bivalent vaccine that we took months ago although it's preventing people from being hospitalized and dying it still hasn't prevented people from getting covid so this article came out yesterday the fda on federal drug and food and drug administration here they're known um you know from now on known as fda on tuesday cleared the way for people who are at least 65 or immune compromised to receive a second updated booster shot for the coronavirus an option intended to boost bolster rather protection for the most vulnerable americans even as the pandemic recedes action appears likely to provide a measure of reassurance to people whose age or medical issues put them at risk of serious illness if they're infected some got updated boosters last fall some after the omicron targeting shots were authorized, but patients and physicians recognize that messenger RNA vaccines have a history of waning protection within months of administration. People who are eligible for the extra boosters might be able to get them as soon as this week. Vaccine advisors to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention are scheduled to meet Wednesday to discuss the second booster. CDC Director Rochelle Walensky is expected to sign off quickly. Federal health officials will not, will not formally urge that people get a second booster. Instead, the permissive policy says they may get one if they want. The bivalent booster, as it's known, targets Omicron subvariants BA4, BA5, as well as the original. Though BA4 and BA5 have largely disappeared, the shot works on other Omicron subvariants that have become widespread. Even though they don't work on the, the parents, let's say, they work on the cousins that have subsequently oh. come out of that. Okay. Or children or whatever you might want to say. Older people will be able to get a second dose of the updated vaccine four months after they receive their first Omicron-specific shot. People with weakened immune systems can get the additional dose two months after receiving the first bivalent shot. Following that, they can receive additional doses at intervals decided by their doctors. Eligibility for extra doses for immunocompromised children ages six months to four years will depend on which vaccine they have already received. Bivalent shots are made by Moderna and by Pfizer and its German partner, BioNTech. The FDA has announced other changes to the use of messenger RNA vaccines that are designed to make it easier to switch to a once a year vaccination schedule in the fall. Agency retired the initial messenger RNA vaccines called monovalence because they targeted only the original virus in favor of the updated shots. It means that anyone who is not vaccinated will get a single updated shot from now on. And that had been a problem because people were unable to get the bivalent vaccine because technically they hadn't taken the first two monovalents. So that's no longer an issue. So now you can just go and get straight to the bivalent vaccine. Mm. So Peter Marks, the director of the Center's for biological biologics evaluation and research urged everyone, even those who are younger than 65 and healthy to get an updated shot if they have yet to receive a dose of the Omicron targeting booster. COVID-19 continues to be a very real risk for many people and we encourage individuals to consider staying current with vaccination, including a bivalent COVID-19 vaccine. 
Marx said at a news briefing. Even as some older people have been clamoring for a second booster, others appear unconcerned. Only about 42% of people 65 and older have received the first bivalent booster, according to the CDC. Only 20% of people age 18 and older have gotten the updated shot. The United Kingdom and Canada already are offering spring booster shots for vulnerable individuals. It seems like a pretty easy call given the risks of COVID in the immunocompromised population and the good safety record of the vaccine, said Eric Rubin, a member of the FDA's Advisory Committee on Vaccines and editor-in-chief of the New England Journal of Medicine of medicine. It seems like a reasonable strategy. Federal officials concede extensive information about the boosters lack. They say data indicates that the booster is beneficial against serious illness, although its durability fades some months after it's given, just as with the original vaccine. A recently published Israeli study of the bivalent booster people 65 and older who got the shot and those who did not. Those who received the booster had a 72% lower risk of COVID-related hospitalization, a 68% lower risk of COVID deaths, according to the study published in journal Lancet. So anyway, the article just goes on to say that for now, older adults or those with weak immune systems will be eligible for two or more bivalent doses. And at this time, families with young children who have not completed their initial vaccine series should consult with their pediatricians on how many shots they should get. The updated shot will be free of charge regardless of insurance coverage because the government has an ample supply. But I don't know if that's going to be in effect. What they didn't address was May the 11th. Okay. all vaccines are supposed to be Oh, you know, that public health emergency thing where free vaccines, that has not been addressed. Okay. Even after the federal supply is gone, shots will continue to be free to most people with private and public health. Oh, okay. So with people with private, they'll be free to people with private and public health insurance. Okay. Okay. But once federally federally purchased doses are depleted, uninsured mm. and under underinsured adults, aha, may have to pay. Okay. And privately insured people need to confirm that their provider is in network, according to an analysis by the Kaiser Family Foundation, a health policy organization. So those of you that are 65 and older with comorbid illnesses that made you vulnerable to COVID-19 in the first place, you can't, because a lot of people have been asking, you can now go and get your second bivalent vaccine. I got mine in September, and certainly before I go, we go to England, I'm going to get another one, because I don't know what's lurking over there. Oh, I know. Something weird could be lurking over there. Yeah, something would be coming to get us over there. Something would be coming, you know, you, uh, these are some, some weird, in fact, one of my colleagues said there's a new variant circulating in India now, so yeah, I want all the protection I can get. Oh, big time, big time. All right, then. Well, thank you, Dee. You are so welcome. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Vicki Haywood-Doe. I just wanted to break in for a quick second and introduce to you the sponsor and creator of this show. It's the company I own, Haywood-Doe Consulting Co., doing business as Vicki Doe Fitness. We are a health and wellness consulting company that specializes in designing and implementing medically integrated applied exercise physiology-based fitness wellness programs, initiatives, events, health promotion, and health education for special populations such as older folks, children, adolescents, overweight and obese individuals, cardiac rehab, women's health, and those who have chronic diseases. We have a team and network of healthcare professionals based out of Northeast Ohio, and we've worked with many companies, schools, churches, and organizations. If your goal is to transform your life by taking a holistic approach to living a life of health and total well-being, get in touch with us at info at to find out more about our own site and online programs and services, go to vikidofitness.com. And now back to the show. 
Well, today we talk about research articles and hot topics that we think are worth looking at and talking about. Our topic today is what's new? Hot topics number 88. So start us off, Dee, with probiotics. I wanted to talk about this article. Probiotic supplement may do the opposite of boosting gut health. Probiotic supplements have grown into a multi-billion dollar industry spurred by claims that the products will help will populate your gut with bacteria that can boost your health in numerous ways. But beware of the hype. In healthy people, probiotic supplements offer little benefit and they can potentially do more harm than good. Studies show that taking probiotic supplements for overall health or to counter the effects of antibiotics can alter the composition your microbiome because there's a lot of studies being done right now on the microbiome i took a course at ysu a couple of years ago online Uh with a professor here talking about the microbiome that may also be another key to the body that these probiotics can alter your microbiome and can reduce the levels of microbial diversity in your gut which is linked to a number of health problems. These probiotics come in the form of capsules and gummies and powders and pills that contain live microorganisms believed to boost gut health. There's a subset of people who may benefit from them, including people with gastrointestinal ailments. Studies have shown that probiotic supplements can reduce symptoms of irritable bowel syndrome and inflammatory bowel disease. They can prevent traveler's diarrhea and reduce some side effects of antibiotic medications. But for most people, more reliable ways are available to nourish your gut microbiome. First, eat a variety of vegetables, nuts, seeds, what we say on here all the time, beans, whole grains, which provide gut gut microbes, the fiber-rich fuel, that they need to thrive. Researchers have found that eating fermented foods such as yogurt, sauerkraut, kimchi, and kefir, which contain probiotics. Now, the kimchi and kefir are a little difficult to kind of deal with, but somehow (laughs) I get them down, which contain probiotics and other beneficial compounds have positive effects on your health and gut microbiomes. Supplements can crowd out the wrong microbes. Your gut microbes are part of a vast ecosystem of bacteria, viruses, archaea, and fungi located largely in your colon. People who harbor diverse gut microbiomes tend to age more healthfully and develop fewer diseases. These microbes thrive on the fiber found in fruits and vegetables, turning it into new compounds or postbiotics, including butyrate, acetate and other short change fatty acids that appear to be exceptionally good for your health. But like residents of any community, the microbes in your gut can work together and compete against one another. Sometimes a proportion of good and bad bacteria in your gut can get out of balance, a condition called dysbiosis. Although there are numerous brands of probiotic supplements, many of them contain a limited number of bacterial strains, primarily from the lactobacillus, which is what we use in the hospital, bifidobacterium, and a few others. These microorganisms are quite common and have been associated with many health benefits. But taking concentrated doses of a few strains of bacteria can upset the gut balance in your gut, says Lorenzo Cohen, a professor and director of integrative medicine program at the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston. You can inadvertently create a form of dysbiosis by having too much of a good thing. You're not only crowding out the bad things, but crowding out the other good things that you want in there to create high microbiome diversity. Taking a a probiotic when you're on antibiotics, it's common for people to take probiotics alongside antibiotic medications. Antibiotics treat bacterial infections, but they can also wipe out beneficial bacteria. The idea behind taking a probiotic supplement with an antibiotic is to rebalance the gut microbiome and minimize side effects. Studies have shown, for example, that probiotics can prevent antibiotic-associated diarrhea. But one study of probiotic use with antibiotics produced surprising results. Researchers at the Wiseman Institute of Science recruited healthy 
adults and gave them a week-long course of antibiotics. Then one group took a popular probiotic supplement for four weeks that contained at least 10 species of bacteria. Another group received stool transplants. That's a new thing that we've been doing now called fecal transplants, where we take somebody's poop and puts it, put it into somebody else. Mm. Called fecal transplant. Yeah, not real, not real uh, <laughs> aesthetic, <laughs> but it's 100% That sounds stanky. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. It's 100% can you imagine when somebody came to IRB and said, okay, we're going to cure this disease by taking somebody's poop and putting it in somebody's <laughs> colon. Okay. So this second group got fecal transplants containing their own gut micro microbes, which were collected before the antibiotics were administered. A third group served as a control. The microbiomes of people in the control group returned to normal after three weeks of taking antibiotics. The microbiomes of people who received the stool transplants after the antibiotic treatment fared the best, returning to normal within days. But the microbiomes of people who took probiotics had not returned to normal even after five mm. months. Mm. The scientists found that they had that they also had less gut microbiome diversity compared to people in the control of transplant groups, meaning that it really kind of did bad things. It just sort of wiped out the bacteria and they didn't have time to, re they hadn't recovered after I think, what, four months? I just Yes, said. wow. In another recent clinical trial, scientists at Stanford recruited adults with metabolic syndrome, which we know about a combination of risk factors for type two diabetes, abdominal obesity, high blood pressure, and high triglycerides, and then split them up into groups, into two groups. One was given a probiotic containing several strains of bacteria thought to be good for metabolic and digestive health. The second group did not take probiotics and served as the controls. After 18 weeks, the scientists found that some people taking the probiotic supplement had improvements in their blood pressure and triglyceride levels, but others in the probiotic group showed a worsening of their blood sugar and insulin levels. Whoa. Mm. The researchers say that differences in diet could have played a role in the results, but it's not clear. The findings underscore that probiotic supplements can have very different effects in different people, said Erica Sonnenberg, an author of the study and senior research scientist in microbiology and immunology at Stanford. It's a common theme, she said. Probiotics can be beneficial for some individuals, but it also seems that for some individuals, they can make things worse. worse. Wow. So what should you do? If you've been prescribed an antibiotic or you have a digestive ailment, you should talk to your doctor about whether it makes sense for you to take a probiotic supplement. And if so, which brand or product? You may be advised to skip probiotics altogether, have a severe illness or compromised immune system because of the risk of developing an infection. Some doctors might recommend adding fermented foods. Like I mentioned a few minutes ago, kimchi and sauerkraut. Mm -hmm. When I do recommend live microbes, it's often in the context of fermented foods that Chris Daman, a gastroenterologist at the Digestive Health Center at the University of Washington Medical Center. Fermented foods are like nature's probiotics. One of the benefits of fermented foods is that they typically contain not just probiotics, the live microbes, but also prebiotics, the fiber the microbes eat, and postbiotics, the vitamins and other nutrients they produce. A study published in the journal Cell, Sonnenberg and her colleagues at Stanford found that assigning people to eat fermented foods every day over a 10-week period lowered their levels of inflammation and increased their gut microbiome diversity. Interesting. Mm. If you're new to fermented foods, Damon recommended introducing them gradually. Try using sauerkraut or kimchi as a garnish with your meals. Have a plain bowl of plain yogurt for breakfast. Drink a cup of unsweetened kefir as a snack or use it to make a smoothie. I don't take a probiotic, but I do eat a variety of fermented foods. And that's generally the advice that I give to people, said Dr. Damon. So there you have it. Well, I guess we will start trying to eat more sauerkraut. It's hot. The sauerkraut, I'm good. But that kimchi, nah. and I bought some the other day and it's like, mm. okay, I'm going to try this, but ooh, mm. it's hard to get down. And the kefir is a little different too. It sort of reminds me of mm -hmm. buttermilk a little bit. You remember yes. down in the South? Yes. Have buttermilk. My dad used to drink oh, buttermilk big time. all the time. 
We used to have it in a like buttermilk cornbread and stuff. I could only and, and buttermilk biscuits, right? Yeah, I can only have it in food or what. I couldn't drink it just by yeah, itself. Yeah, me either. No. Mm. So, but you know, if you're interested in the fermented foods, and they have a number of them, they're all located right there in the um in the grocery store all mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. Kimchi is a big dish in. Korea. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people who, a lot of Koreans and a lot of people who have been to Korea talk about how this food is a, you know, stable in the diet. Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. It's a staple. Yeah. I will just suggest um, pre-probiotic is a lot of times just eating the foods that are rich in fiber and all that is That's definitely important. Said. Yeah, it's definitely right. important. And, and and as usual, for any good thing, or even for vitamins with supplements and all that, it's just best to try to get it from the real whole food anyway, you know? Exactly. Exactly. All right. Exactly. Well, I guess I'll have me some sauerkraut. <laughs> me too. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Our next article, fatigue is common among older people finding its cause is important and this was in the washington post as well often those with such weariness stop being active and become deconditioned which leads to muscle loss and greater fatigue so it's a it's a cycle there well It starts out saying nothing prepared Linda C. Johnson of Indianapolis for the fatigue that descended on her after a diagnosis of stage four lung cancer in early 2020. Initially, Johnson, now 77, thought she was depressed. She could barely summon the energy to get dressed in the morning. Some days she couldn't even get out of bed. But as she began to get her affairs in order, Johnson realized something else was going on. However long she slept the night before she woke up exhausted, people would tell me, you know, you're getting old. And that wasn't helpful at all because then you feel there's nothing you can do mentally or physically to deal with this, she told me. Fatigue is a common companion of many illnesses that beset older adults, typically those 65 and older, heart disease, cancer, rheumatoid arthritis, um, lung disease, kidney disease, and neurological conditions such as multiple sclerosis, among others. It's one of the most common symptoms associated with chronic illness, affecting 40 to 74 percent of older people living with those conditions, according to a 2021 review by researchers at the University of Massachusetts. This is more than exhaustion after an extremely Um, busy day or a night of poor sleep it is a persistent whole body feeling of having no energy even with minimal or no exertion i feel like i have a drained battery pretty much all of the time wrote a user named renee in a facebook group for people with polycythemia vera it's like having too many red blood cells okay so it's a rare blood Mm -hmm. cancer okay it's it's sort of like being uh, a wrung out dish rag Mm -hmm. fatigue doesn't represent a day when you're tired, it's a couple of weeks or a couple of months when you're tired, said Kurt Kronicke, a research scientist at the Regenstreet Institute in Indianapolis, which uh, specializes in medical research and a professor at uh, Indiana's University School of Medicine. When he and colleagues cured nearly 3,500 patients 60 and older at a large primary care clinic in Indianapolis about bothersome symptoms, 55% listed fatigue, second only to musculoskeletal pain. That was 65% and more than back pain, which is 45% and shortness of breath, which is 41%. So it's a vicious cycle. Separately, a 2010 study in the Journal of American Geriatric Society estimated that 31% of people 51 and older reported being fatigue in the previous week. The effect can be profound. Fatigue is the leading reason for restricted activity in people 70 and older, according to a 2001 study by researchers at Yale University. Other studies have linked fatigue with impaired mobility, limitations in people's abilities to perform daily activities, the onset or worsening of disability and earlier death. Often, older adults with fatigue stop being active and become deconditioned, which leads to muscle loss and weakness, which heightens 
fatigue. It becomes a vicious cycle that contributes to things like depression, which can make you more fatigued, said Jean Kurtner, a professor of medicine and chief medical officer at the University of Colorado uh, Hospital. To prevent that, Johnson came up with a plan. After learning her lung cancer had returned every morning, she set small goals for herself. One day she'd get up and wash her face. The next, she'd take a shower. Another day, she'd go to the grocery store. After each activity, she'd rest. In the three years since her cancer came back, Johnson's fatigue has been constant. But I'm functioning better, she told me, because she has learned how to pace herself and find things that motivate her, such as teaching a virtual class to students training to be teachers and getting exercise under the supervision of a personal trainer. When should older adults be concerned about fatigue? If someone has been doing okay, but is now feeling fatigue all the time, it's important to get an evaluation, said Holly Yang, a physician at Scripps Mercy Hospital in San Diego and board president, American Academy of Hospice and Palliative Medicine. Fatigue is an alarm signal that something is wrong with the body, but it's rarely one thing, said Andershire Harshmeyer, the section chief of the Center for Geriatric Medicine at the Cleveland Clinic. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Usually several things need to be addressed. Among the items, physicians should check. Are your thyroid levels um, normal? Are you having trouble with sleep? If you have underlying medical conditions, are they well controlled? Do you have an underlying infection? Are you chronically dehydrated? Most people don't think about dehydration. Yeah, uh -huh. that's a biggie. Yeah, do you have anemia, a deficiency of red blood cells or hemoglobin, an electrolyte imbalance or low levels of testosterone? Are you eating enough protein? Have you been feeling more anxious or depressed recently? And might medications you're taking be contributing to fatigue? The medications and doses may be the same, but your body's ability to metabolize those medications and clear them from your system may have changed, said Hashmi, noting that such changes in the body's metabolic activity are common as people become older. Many potential contributors to fatigue can be addressed, but much of the time, the cause of fatigue cannot be explained by an underlying medical condition. That happened to Teresa Goodell, 64, a retired nurse who lives just outside Portland, Oregon. During a December visit to Arizona, she suddenly found herself exhausted and short of breath while on a hike, even though she was in good physical condition. At an urgent care facility, she was diagnosed with an asthma exasperation and given steroids, but they didn't mm. help. Soon, Goodell was spending hours each day in bed, overcome by profound tiredness and weakness. Even small activities wore her out. But none of the medical tests she received in Arizona and subsequently in Portland, a chest x-ray and CT scan, blood work, a cardiac stress test showed abnormalities. There was no objective evidence of illness. And that makes it hard for anybody to believe that you're sick, she told me. Goodell started visiting long COVID websites and chat rooms for people with, what is that? Myalgic encephalomyelitis, chronic fatigue syndrome. Yes, chronic fatigue syndrome. Now, today she is convinced she has post-viral syndrome from an infection. One of the most common symptoms of long COVID. I was getting ready to say. Yes, yeah. is fatigue that interferes with daily life according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Several strategies can deal with persistent fatigue. In cancer patients, the best evidence uh, favors physical activities such as Tai Chi, yoga, walking, or low-impact exercises, said Kristen Sinclair, an associate professor of palliative medicine at the University of Kansas Health System. The goal is to gradually stretch patients' stamina, he said. With long COVID, however, doing too much too soon can backfire by causing post-exertional malice. Pacing one's activities is often recommended, doing only what's most important when one's energy level is highest 
and resting afterward. You learn how to set realistic goals, said Andrew Ace, Senior Education Advisor at the Center of Advanced Palliative Care. Cognitive behavior therapy can help older adults with fatigue. Learn how to adjust expectations and address intrusive thoughts such as, I should be able to do more. At the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center, management plans for older patients with fatigue typically include strategies to address physical activity, sleep health, nutrition, emotional health, and support from family and friends. So much of fatigue management is about forming new habits, said Israria Subaya, a palliative care and integrative medicine physician at MD Anderson. It's important to recognize that this doesn't happen right away. It takes time. And so who was writing this? Because the person that wrote this article was, who was the physician? This is Kaiser Health Foundation News. Okay. So it's a group of physicians who come together to write this. And, and Kaiser Health Foundation is a very reputable okay. uh, yes, they uh, are. medicine news source. Okay. Yeah. okay. I go to Kaiser Health Foundation a lot to get a lot of my information for everything. Thing, really. Yes, yes, okay. It's vetted and 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 researched and on all of that. This is near and dear to me. We're treating low back pain all wrong. Well, tell me what I should do. <laughs> well, let's re-examine the current approach to treatment. In December 2019, I attended Dr. Christine, well, she's a PhD, Christine Gertz, uh, DC and PhD. In December 2019, <laughs> I attended a National Academy Academies of Science workshop on the role of non-pharmacological approaches to pain management. At the end of the meeting, as expected, panelists concluded that more research was needed. However, to my surprise, several scientists also call for media action on the approach to treating low back pain. It's true because it's been a source of opioid abuse in this mm, country. Mm-hmm. They call for clinicians to implement the evidence we already have into clinical practice for policymakers to enact payment reform that would support such implementation for all of us to commit to making the cultural changes needed to ensure that patients have access to the right care from the provider at the right time. Where did this response come from? It stemmed from the fact that low back pain has been over, I said that, over medicalized, mm-hmm. making a very bad problem worse, and the need for real aligned incentives that encourage clinicians to follow current evidence and treatment recommendations. No health condition leads to greater disability or higher costs than low back pain. And commonly, commonly used medical treatments approaches often lead to more harm than benefit. And imaging is rarely necessary to develop a, an evidence-based treatment plan and can exacerbate pain catastrophizing as well as lead to incidental findings rabbit holes. Mm-hmm. Prescription medicines may be helpful to some patients in certain circumstances, but overall the risks often outweigh the benefits. According to the CDC, more than 260,000 deaths in America from 1999 to 2020 involve prescription opioids. Mm. Non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, NSAIDs can cause intestinal bleeding, especially in older adults, and are associated with high incidence of myocardial infarction. Surgery and steroids can lead to short-term pain relief for some patients, but results are often not sustained nor superior to less invasive options. Amen, amen, and amen, and amen on that one. Mm -hmm. Most importantly, many of these medical diagnostic and treatment approaches, early imaging, surgical consults, and steroid injections, prescription opioids, and NSAIDs may actually increase the number of patients who transition from acute to chronic pain. The problem is not the lack of evidence. The CDC, the Veterans Health Administration, the American College of Physicians have released comprehensive guidelines backed by highly convergent supportive evidence for the management of low back pain. Recommended first-line treatments include non-pharmacological approaches such as exercise, education, self-care options, spinal manipulation, acupuncture, and massage. The American College of Physician Guideline in particular calls for patients and clinicians to consider the use of non-pharmacological approaches for low back or trying prescription meds. The problem is that we are not following the evidence. There are multiple barriers to widespread implementation of known best practices. Mm -hmm. Health systems are slow to change, especially when such change may not be in the best, not be in their financial best interest. Mm -hmm. For the 
orthopedic surgeons are consistently rated among the top healthcare income generators, bringing in 3.3 million a year. Mm. Primary care physicians may not may not have learned about non-pharmacologic treatments in med school and are often working with frightened patients who understandably want a clear explanation for their pain, a quick fix, mm-hmm. a pill, an injection, and surgery. So true. Mm-hmm. Additionally, there is sharp, a sharp disconnect between existing payment policy and best practices for low back pain. Payers provide robust reimbursement for prescription meds, steroid injections, and surgery. In contrast, private and public insurance often place significant limitations on coverage for guideline concordant treatments such as chiropractic care, mm-hmm. acupuncture, and massage. They don't want to pay for that. Mm-hmm. Such policies offer little incentives for clinicians and health systems to change. If we want real change, it will take an entire team of committed citizens. Mm-hmm. Health systems can ensure They are staffed with providers whose clinical practices are better aligned with guideline recommendations. Payers can change their policies to align payment with guideline recommendations. And some health systems and insurance companies are moving in the right direction. Duke Mm. has instituted the Spine Health Program to offer coordinated guideline concordant care to patients with low back pain. Mm. United Healthcare does not charge co-pays for for members who see a chiropractor Mm. or physical therapist. First, for low back pain. Mm. Traditional Medicare recently began offering limited coverage for acupuncture. I got to check that out since I have Medicare. Mm-hmm. We need to promote clinical education on the evidence regarding proper diagnosis and treatment of low back pain. We can become familiar with the American College of Physician Guideline and read the excellent Lancet series on low back pain. We can tell our patients that MRIs can lead to worse outcomes. Surgery is rarely necessary and let them know that the American College of Physicians or ACP recommends the use of non-pharmacologic treatments before prescription meds. Most importantly, we can, in the absence of red flags, refrain from ordering those tests or treatments unless they are clearly needed after the patient engages full course of evidence-based non-pharmacological treatment. I can't ignore the fact that part of the issue is systemic. Mm-hmm. The United States healthcare system is built upon the belief that patients benefit from seeking care, but that is often not the case with low back pain. By ignoring the evidence, over-medicalizing this condition, and continuing to tolerate policies that incentivize the wrong treatments, we are causing real harm to those who trust us for their care. And she is a professor of musculoskeletal research at the Duke Clinical Research Institute in Durham, North Carolina, Vice Chair for Implementation of Spine Health Innovations in the Department of Orthopedic Surgery at Duke, and core faculty at the Duke Margolis Center for Health Policy. I go to the Cleveland Clinic for my back issues. Okay, okay, okay. And they do the exact same thing. They Mm -hmm. are not, they've not one time asked. Now, I have sort of medicalize myself here and I will ask my doctor <laughs> to get an MRI here. And you know what? It takes after Congress because uh-huh. they're not getting them. But the Cleveland Clinic is very approach is a lot of non-pharmacological emphasis on exercise, weight control, mm-hmm. diet, all those kinds of things is what Cleveland Clinic does. They don't, not one, sir, you know, I see a nurse practitioner and not once have I seen a surgeon because every time they look at my x-rays and my back and they're like, you don't need one. That's it. And plus, you know, I've always had issues. It's been since what, tw- 2009 with my upper part, my my C6. Cervical. Uh-huh. Yeah, the C6 area around in that area of a cervical, right, at the top of the neck stuff. And uh-huh. yeah, years ago, I got went all that and they were looking at me where well, we know you ain't going to do surgery. Hell no, because I, uh-huh. I, I don't want to not uh-huh. be able to move my neck no uh-uh and i no. saw very sadly a very 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 sad case that just just shocked me into no surgery we had a patient here who had his surgery and it was an elective procedure mm. on his neck mm. and he had one of the extremely rare complications of spinal cord stroke and so oh. he's quadriplegic from c5 down oh, oh. yeah that's sad. It was one of the most tragic patients that I have ever taken care of in his 50s. And it was just one of those kind of things that 
it was an elective procedure, you know, and it was done, you know, electively. And most people think, oh, you know, but I tell people all surgeries yes. can be significant. Yes. And I always say this, you know, and they'd always say, oh, you non-compliant. I said, no, I will be the one that will be the 1% or the 2% where stuff will go wrong. No question. So if, if I don't have to have it, I will try other things that are that are proven that can work. And so that's why I started acupuncture. That's why I started that. And it works. Yeah. Yeah. I got it. Now that I know that Medicare pays for some treatments, I'm going to. Didn't you go to Cleveland to get yours? Yes. I'm going to start looking at that. Yes. Yep. I'm going to have to look for a new one because he ended up, Dr. Mao, he ended up moving to oh, Tampa. Yeah, doctor. Yeah. He ended up moving to Tampa. So I was just telling Nate that I'm going to call and see if I can find another one. I'll probably call at the Cleveland Clinic. I'm sure they have referrals. I'm sure they do, right. Yeah, they have referrals. Well, D, this ends our show. So do you have some tips that we should well, think about? We covered a lot of ground today. You know, the first thing is... You know, a lot of people have gotten into this probiotic craze. Mm -hmm. And as I talked about it, you know, as I uh, commented on it or, or talked about the article, the probiotics can do good things and they can do bad things. The main thing that, that was significant is that they can decrease the diversity of your gut microbes. Yes. And you don't want, want that because it certainly lends itself to more problems. We saw some information, I talked about some information of using some over-the-counter things like sauerkraut, yes. kimchi, and kefir. Yes. And our whole focus on this show a lot of times is doing those natural kinds of things yes. to improve your to improve your health. You talked about fatigue that's common in older people, and that was kind of interesting because it was sort of, you know, it, it appears that it's multifactorial. Mm -hmm. um, but I think first and foremost, as we all always say, go to your physicians, mm -hmm. and maybe your fatigue is not just you being old, but maybe there's some under Underlying issues. So we admonish everybody to go to your physicians and get checked out. And then once that happens, then do some things like exercise mm -hmm. uh, that we talk about we on the, all the time on our show. And then lastly, low back pain, another one of those things where you may not need all the, the imaging studies. And, you know, I talk more about, of course, diet and exercise are key to a lot of these kinds of things. Yes. And, you know, a lot of patients want, as I say, a pill, yes, some do. kind of injection and surgery. And that's not always necessary. And as I mentioned to you, Mm -hmm. Opioids, uh, low back pain has contributed significantly to the opioid abuse in this country. Mm -hmm. So Yes. And so sometimes it's just best to take a step back, you know, yeah. and, you know, don't want this quick fix. But that's how it is for everything. You know, you know, you gain a little bit of weight. You going to go run and do some quick fix something. And it, it no, it, exactly. it's, it's, it doesn't work that way. It's best. It's best to step back find out the underlying causes for a lot of these things Correct. And, and then see if you can do non-pharmacological things, treatment to, Correct. you know, to get this. And we, it's a lot of research out there that's done that shows that yeah. they do work. These treatment, they work. You don't do. have to be surgery and medications all the time, right? No, no, you don't. And a lot of these medications, as we know from opioids, have led to abuse and deaths, mm -hmm. uh, the overuse of incense. I mean, we see it all the time when patients coming in with bleeds. And, you know, the thing with surgeries, what I see as an infectious disease doctor, now you got a post-op infectious complication. Mm. So in addition to the back pain that you had before, now you got an infection and going to have more pain. Mm. And now you have to take more antibiotics for a longer period of time. So it's just, you know, much better at this juncture, I think, to do more of the natural kind of things that we talk about all the time. All right. And folks, as always, for more information, go to our website, vickidofitness.com. And remember, if you have any questions, comments, or just something to say, tweet us, email us, go on Facebook, and share with us your thoughts. You've been listening to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. Vicki Doe is owner of Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum, a place to discuss, learn, and participate in healthy living. You can get in touch with Vicki by email at info at vickidofitness.com.